Blog Talk Radio. Uh, that night, Mr. Jesse Starcher, I was 
uh, I was Mr. Romance. She leaned in for a, after like a two-hour dinner where we just talked and connected and really, really found found each other. You know, found found our soulmates in each other in that one night. She leaned in for a kiss to seal the deal, and I was like, I'm still in the middle of divorce. Back the fuck off. <laughs> I gave it a seat. I said, you're not ready for this jelly, is, is basically the message I gave her. This asshole <laughs> married me anyway. So I feel like whatever happened, he, she deserves it. She deserves so, it. <laughs> she, she went into this marriage. I mean, then our second date featured two other women. And one of them was in latex. Yeah, and one Whoa. of them was Yeah, hello. Wow. Hi-o. So, she married me anyway, folks. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Wonderful stuff. Um, anyway, we were supposed we were not supposed to do a show tonight, but because of uh, the schedule changes last week, we're doing TV party tonight. Uh, the Metal Hammer of Doom tomorrow night will be what we're going to do anyway, which is Overkill, the grinding wheel. But a week from tomorrow night, we were supposed to review the new Marilyn Manson, which is now not dropping until June. So we'll we'll do what we were supposed to do last week, which is my friend's band, If He Dies. Mm. Um, that, that's just a little bit of cleanup right there. Let's get to the action at hand. This TV party tonight, Black Mirror Season 2. And I brought on the man who demanded we talk about Black Mirror, Mr. Jesse Starcher. Now, you did. I wasn't interested in this horse shit. You, uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you said, Mr. Avalanche, I have a thing for you to watch. And I said, if you must. And uh, you said, I must. So why don't right. you why don't you talk to me a little bit about season two? You know we decided we were going to do the whole because you know these are not very long series, not like it's Arrow, where I no, huh? just <laughs> where over over the course of my illness, I marathon twenty three episodes. This is only you know these things are only wow. like three and four episodes apiece. Yes, I, when yeah. I commit, I commit. You do, sir. <laughs> that is the truth. Uh, so, yeah, so at some point you only do the first. Was your intention to only do the first season, or did you want to do the whole series with me? Oh, if you were interested in doing the whole series, I was, I was, I was all about it. Um, I knew that I, what I wanted to do was do series one, see if you were interested, if you liked it, and if you wanted to continue to talk about it, and then we'll go from there. Uh, but, man, you know, I was – as we go forward through here from from season one to season two – just like you said, it's not something that you would you, you have. You're, there's a daunting amount of content, and the good thing is is that we're not going to keep it samey because each episode of uh, Black Mirror is not you know not continuing any type of continuity from the previous one. So these are things that you could feel very comfortable with sitting down. And watching one episode and getting up and then going and doing something else and not having to worry because there's not going to be a cliffhanger. There's not going to be anything that you got to catch up on. the net. There's no binging here unless you really enjoy the material at hand um, and the themes that they put forward. So, I mean, shoot, season two, when you look at the wiki, which this kind of confused me, but we're, we're going by Netflix. Season two has three episodes, but if you look at the Netflix uh, series, which is what we're going by, and they have four. Uh, one of them is the, the the third, or excuse me, the the White Christmas, the fourth and final one, was a, uh, apparently a special that came out in 2014. So we're going to be discussing that one tonight. But yeah, I remember when we when I finished season one, 
I'm fairly certain that I made my way through all the episodes before I told you we would want we would we're going we need to cover them. So, uh, I think this was before you had the genesis the the idea of TV Party Tonight. So, hey, here we are, season two. Uh, do you remember much of it? <laughs> I know this is before <laughs> your big event. So, uh, do you remember a, a good portion of what you watched? Yeah, I mean, I, I've read through the wiki again refresh my memory um and and having read through the wiki and sort of thinking about the episodes i actually remember what some of my initial thoughts were so i'm ready to get into this um okay. let's start with uh episode one here to be right back which stars the can we just talk about how pretty Haley atwell is for just a moment <laughs> <laughs> Haley atwell is so pretty I mean, she's not like a Barbie type pretty where it's just like, okay, you look like every other big boob, you know, blonde haired bimbo. That's the traditional yeah. American style of pretty. Haley Atwell has haunting eyes. She has this wonderful alabaster skin. She's just so pretty, Jesse Sarcher. She's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, and honestly, Haley Atwell is so pretty. It's the only reason I watched Agent Carter, other than it was a Marvel series. Because I had mm-hmm. no interest in the story they were telling, especially in season two when they started talking about the the black ooze or whatever the fuck it was called. When they started getting into the like, when they started getting into like the magic, sort of setting up for Doctor Strange later in the year, um, and they moved the show from New York to Los Angeles. I mean, not that I didn't like Agent Carter season two, I just didn't really care about the story. But I can't, I kept coming back, and I was deaf, and it was must be TV for me. Because Haley Atwell is so pretty. (laughs) She's got the draw power. I didn't know that was uh, up until right before we got on here. I looked at the wiki and I didn't realize that that was who this was. I didn't realize that was Haley Atwell. Uh, They could have filmed an hour of Haley Atwell eating pudding. And I don't (laughs) It's the craziest black mirror yet. (laughs) <laughs> my, my it's so crazy now learning for the first time that I have this obsession with Haley Atwell <laughs> she's on the list look her up um, but yeah be right back man this is one that I was like okay I've heard Mark Radlich say in the past many a times that he couldn't wait to download his consciousness into the net so he could live forever now, sir, albeit this is not an exact, uh, an exact representation of what you wanted to do, this okay. comes damn close. Yeah, we need to table that discussion for White Christmas. <laughs> that's <laughs> they, more, do, they do go uh, hand in hand. They, that, that's more of the nightmare scenario that you're bringing to my attention as a risk for wanting to download your consciousness into some sort of controlled mechanical gizmo. Mm-hmm. This is more of a be right back featuring uh, one of the Harry Potter kids, Domino Gleason. Which, which, is he Ron? Domino Gleason. Is he really? It's no way. Domino Gleason, I know for a fact, is one of the, uh, is one of the Harry Potter kids. Hold I just on, don't remember which one he is. I'm on. Are you gonna look it up? I okay. am on. I'm. He he had his breakout year in 2010 with his role in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Also in 2010, 
uh, he started along Kira Knightley, Andrew Garfield, and Never Let Me Go. I haven't re- I haven't seen that. Okay, he's um, he's Bill Weasley. Okay, so he's he's not Bill Weasley. Wrong. He's one of the Weasley brothers. Okay. Yeah, he's one of the Weasley kids. Um, I guess he's like the eldest Weasley. Is that right? Sure. Uh, he's also General Hux in um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Ah. Very so, nice. Yes. So General Hux uh, is uh, one of our lead characters here, and the oh-so-pretty uh, Harry Atwell. <laughs> and, and what this episode is about is he dies, and they take his online presence uh, via social media. So like, basically they take his Twitter, they take his Instagram, his Facebook, his YouTube, and his speech patterns – his, uh, his way of communicating through these various social media uh, prisms and using an algorithm and that raw data, they are able to con- reconstruct a persona that is, as closely resembles the real-life article as they can as a way of people dealing with their grief. Yeah, Haley... This- I was going to say, yeah, yeah Haley's... Haley's- Haley and him were dating in this in this episode. We don't we don't go by character names anymore. We just go by actors. Uh, I can't because I have no idea. I can't remember who they are. But they were they were dating and they were pretty close. They actually had moved in together. I think they were moving back into his like his mom's house. And then he goes to return yeah. the he goes to return the moving van and ends up dying. Um, and uh, you know, go ahead. I, I I know you were getting into the plot. I didn't mean to interrupt. Sure, that's okay. By the way, her name is Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> anyway, so uh, Haley Atwell, who plays Martha and Bill Weasley, um, move into this move into this house. He goes to return the van. He dies. Um, she and and not and she's not only grieved the loss of her lover's death. She finds out she's pregnant, mm-hmm. which is kind of a nightmare scenario. You know, when you think about it, for a lot of women. It's like they, you know, you go into wanting to bring a child into this world, you go into the partnership nine, nine out of ten times. I know some women don't. But <clears throat> typically, you go in with the idea that you're going to have a partner there, and almost, and even before the, the story has begun, it's over, the partner's gone. Yeah. And so she's got, this, she's got this forthcoming baby. She's lost the love of her life. And while their relationship was not perfect, and there are little – bits of detail that show, you know, he was not as attentive maybe as he could have been. Um, no relationship is perfect. And I think that's where a lot of the magic lies when you're really intimate with somebody. Mm. So believe it or not. Um, so as a way of dealing with her grief, she's hip to this uh, service that will take his, his online presence and reconstruct it into her persona for her to interact with via messenger. Uh, that evolved into talking to Tim on the phone, which then evolved into uploading this presence into a virtual body. Uh, and for a while, it's like he's back in her life again. Mm-hmm. And that's, But she starts to realize over time that those little imperfections, those little bits of diseased air between two people, um, I, I use that phrase because that's how my lungs are being described lately. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're breathing diseased uh, air on me. Could you please step away? 
<laughs> I'm glad we're a few yeah, states yeah. away from each other, Mark Radlich, and we're not in the same room. You and your disease air. My virtual friendships are the best friendships. Um, yes, sir. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, she starts to realize that all is, all, all is not right with this thing. And she realizes there's, there's these deficits of character. And, I, and I'm really trying to stress the idea that it's the person's imperfection that makes them human and what really draw people together. You know, if, if you being married, you, you can speak to this, I think, pretty intelligently. You know, it's the idea that you know your, your mate better than anybody else on the planet, and you know the little stupid, gross, nonsensical, crazy things about them that nobody else could live with. But, mm-hmm. but those are the things that are a part of what draws you to them. Yeah. And those things are missing from that persona. And it culminates well, with him. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, one of the underlying themes that I kind of picked up on here with that in mind is the fact that, you know, she, even though she's not seeing these imperfections that this perfect, the, the, the reintroduction of this person in her life, it was completely based off of, everything that this guy put out there on social media. Now, me and you know that as, as trollish as some people want to be, or as funny as some people want to be, as nice as some people want to be, that isn't, social media is not their true identity. There, it's, no. it's, it's, you know, it's to the 10th power, not even close to what a real person is. So this is not, what happens with this guy or with, when this lady decides to have this android body or whatever body uh, shipped to her house and the consciousness downloaded into this body, that it isn't like in this world this is something that everybody does. This is a very, very new service. This is, very, this is you know, cusp, uh, bleeding edge technology, and it's going to cost a lot of money if you want to try this, but we, we, we'll give it a shot. So when we see this happening, it's not like this is the world all over the place in this, in this particular – this is just like one or two or three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten solid incidents throughout the whole thing. Um, but but it, it, throughout that world, it's, it's a rare case. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the point I was trying to make is that it, basing it off of social media is where – as as perfect as that seems and as almost realistic as this guy seems, there's a whole part of that that doesn't show up on the net. And that's probably right. the part that she's miss- – that, that's the part she notices that's missing. Yeah, she, she flat out says, you know, when she walks into the cliff, she's like, if, if you were the real uh, General Hux, you'd have figured this out by now. Um, <laughs> you'd have figured it out. This wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> if you were the real Bill Weasley, you'd have figured out that Voldemort uh, was was a oh, bad guy all along. Uh, no, that's uh, right. She, you know, you'd have figured out what, what 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 was happening here, and she basically tells him to jump off the cliff, and he's like, you know, and he and he acts like an android. He's like, well, I was I not following my protocol, and then when she tells him that, you know, he he'd have begged for life, then he starts doing what she, you know, basically. It, it, again, if you're involved in a relationship, even the most loving, most committed relationship, 
there's going to be some angst, there's going to be some pullback, there's going to be some tension. Life, the most fulfilling parts of life, I believe, involve tension, whether people want to believe that or not. If life is too easy, it's unfulfilling, Melissa. Um. (laughs) Sideways glance. (laughs) And this is why she goes to bed at nine, everybody. (laughs) Um, Anyway, and when she realizes that there is no tension here, there's no, you know, he he lives to serve. This isn't a real relationship and he's not a real person. Um, and it, and it really comes to a head when she says jump off the cliff and then he starts begging because now he's not even begging for his life. He's begging because that's what she wants him to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we fast, we flash forward to she's, she's birthed the kid. The kid's like nine, 10 years old or whatever, some shit. And, and he's living in the attic and she visits him on, and the kid visits him on the weekends and, you know, it, it, this has been going on for years, but it is at this moment on this day that, you know, all these years later that Martha uh, has decided <laughs> that she is going to allow this creature back into her life, at least on some level, and then the episode ends. Um, as I said, when we get to White Christmas, we'll talk a little bit more about the singularity and uploading one's consciousness, because that's where, you know... <laughs> That, that deals with that directly. There's yeah. no consciousness to upload here. This was, this was a creation. This was AI da- available data. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I do want to touch on. I want to ask you because you know you know I feel you're uh, obviously somewhat schooled in, uh, in 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 being able to respond to this question. Can you like maybe postulate? what's going on what what is probably really wrong with this uh lady not being able to process her grief would this by introducing this person back into her life would that have really royally fucked up the whole grieving process yeah okay Okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna now i i often because i think it's funny will drag my wife into podcast kicking and screaming especially if she's in the room um, because it amuses me. But I'm actually going to say something very serious in front of her that we've talked about in the past, and it's become very prevalent lately with my health issues, and that is, what if I die? Sure. And uh, and she's talked about, you know, not most recently. Most recently, I think there would be a different conversation because the last time we had this conversation, we did not have children. Um, but, you know, even then she acknowledged the fact that it would be difficult to grieve. Uh, it would be difficult to get over my passing because when you find somebody that you connect with on a level that, that, you know, or a truly happy couple connect with, it's, you know, it's not that it's impossible to find it with someone else, but it's never quite the same. Mm -hmm. The very first time you shoot heroin, it's very first time you, it's very hard to get that feeling again, no matter how much heroin you shoot. Um, to make a comparison of sorts. <laughs> so, uh, it all comes back to heroin, Jesse Starcher. <laughs> I've, heard uh, this, I've heard that analogy before. I'm starting to worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, as far as the – without getting into the technical uh, jargon, <clears throat> the, 
ability to process your grief, um, it's, it's very, you know, person-centric, uh, very individualized. Um, we're all, we, all, we're, we all operate on different levels of resiliency. And, you know, as my wife has said, there would be, and I'm not going to get too revealing with this stuff, but there were some details that she shared with me that would help her with her grieving process. And, you know, and eventually she would have to move on. And whether or not she continued to date other people or, you know, whatever, only time could tell. But if she could create a virtual me, that would stunt that whole process. Mm-hmm. She would never, never really be able to move on with her life because she created a static version of me that doesn't – I'm not the same person I was when she met me. I wasn't the same person I was three months after we met. So imagine, you know, the whole concept of being in a relationship is growing with that person. And sometimes these things don't work out. You know, people grow and they grow apart from each other. That happens. Now imagine you're growing as you should as a human being, but you're, you're in a relationship with an object that is static. It does not grow. It does not evolve. It does not change. Um, it would be impossible to grieve. That's why I think this episode is so strong, is that so much of it is spent with her running around in the circle, and it's a parable about, you know, the, the being stuck and not, and not letting yourself go through that grieving process. People run away from terrible feelings. They run away from fear. They run away from shame. They run away from anxiety, depression, sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a firm believer in you really do have to confront these things head on and deal with them. Let them wash over you like ocean uh, water. And, you, and you'll be better off for it over time. And she does not allow that to happen. Um, and then instead she ends up in this nightmare scenario where the rest of the world actually stops ceases to exist for her. And then she realizes she, the error of her ways well after it's too late. Um, I would have actually liked to have seen this drawn out over a couple of episodes. I feel like oh, yeah. that chunk of time missing from the cliff to the attic would have been some real interesting stuff. I would have liked to have seen her try to reconnect with people um, after she had shut them out in favor of dealing with his virtual presence. Yeah, uh, I mean, so they overall, shut, she shut him up in the attic, and I mean, wh- how many, how old would you say her little girl was? Like ten, maybe eight or nine, or something like that. So yeah, he'd been up in that attic. Uh, was it eight? Okay, so seven, the, seven years seven. old. So the she shoves the android up into the attic for, you know, for all that time. I would assume it went immediately to the attic because, or there was probably a little bit of a process to what led her to that. So I can see what you're saying about drawing that out, but it's clear that she, even in the episodes that we watched, she didn't want her sister or whoever it was, her friend or whoever, knowing that she, she brought in an exact replica of, you know, her, her fiance or her lover. Um, and so there's a vicious cycle where she's trying to, Come to the you know come to the come to the uh, realization that her 
her significant other has passed, and then she has this uh, thing in front of her that looks exactly like it. And she can't tell the whole world about it either. She's got to kind of keep it secret because that's, it is all, people are going to cast judgment. And, wow, you need closure. You can't do this to yourself. That was one of the things well, that I think she robot. could not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that's going to come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the big thing that you'd be missing out in, on is definitely closure. You would not have that. At least it would be very hard to reach that point where you can say, Okay, I have, I accept the fact that you know Weasley's gone. So, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah, I like this one. I this was this was up there for me. Yep. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. You know, the the thing about this particular podcast is we can't spend a tremendously long time, even on something as succinct as this particular series, because we have other stuff to talk about. So, um, I don't want to belabor the point. This was well acted. Very well done. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more on it. Um, that's the one detriment to this particular uh, Twilight Zone serial kind of show, which is basically if they can't get it done in 40 minutes or however long the episode is, it ain't getting done. Yeah. yeah. But Something's getting cut. They you might miss some stuff, but they did a good job. Exactly. All right. Our next one is White Bear. All right, now hold on before you get into it. Spoiler warning, because what you'll notice is there are some twists in a lot of these. This first one we just covered, not much of a twist there. But, man, episode White Bear and White Christmas both got some twists. So everybody who hasn't had a chance to watch the episode, feel free to stop us and go do so right now and then come back if you want. What a twist. What a twist. I have to say, overall, Black Mirror works better when it deals with relationships and emotion. When it just deals with Elseworld, Twilight Zone, horror-type scenes, I don't think it works nearly as well. But that might just be a personal preference. And White Bear was one of those episodes. Oh, man. Now, see, this is the one where I was like, I was like, Mark Radulich, he loves theme parks. He freaking works for the justice system. I mean, come on. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> He's going to love it. I was not into it when I realized hey. what the twist was. I, when I realized what the twist was, I think my reaction to it was just like, that was a fucking waste of an hour. <laughs> come um, on. I didn't dig it. I really didn't. <sighs> um, nothing about this episode was appealing to me. But uh, let, let's go through the plot real quick. Basically, you have this broad who wakes up in a house, and she has no memory, and she sees pictures of a little girl. She assumes it's a daughter. Uh, she goes outside. She realizes that people are recording her with, her with their phones, but they're not interacting with her. Then some dude takes a shot at her. She runs to a gas station. She meets up with uh, another woman, um, you know, and they start to reveal some elements of the story, which is basically there's a signal. It's turning people into zombies. Um, and... Uh, they record, you know, and these zombies record what you're doing. But uh, you know, there are other people called hunters, and they'll try to kill you. And the mission objective here is to get to the White Bear Tower so they can knock out the signal and blow up the Death Star. So um, you're wait a second. Oh, wait a second. As you're going through this plot, you're not invested while you're watching this. Like, oh shit, what's going on? No. You're you're. Oh wow. 
Okay. Let me let me get let me. I see where you're where you're going with that. I understand why you're like, well, really? Because I mean, at you're... first I was. But okay. I'll tell you why it lost my. It did not keep my interest. Um. So you have. So like I said, you have one character who she's starting to have flashes of memory recall, but not enough. And at no point does she ever make any connections. She's just a victim of circumstance. Um. And they finally get to the tower. There's a final fight scene, and it turns out it's all a ruse. Uh, she's basically been in a in a play with actors that have made that have been purposely designed to make her feel the way she made the victim of her crime feel, which she then finds out that there is a victim of a crime that she was a part of. This is basically her boyfriend kidnapped this kid, tortured and burned her, and uh, she recorded it on her cell phone. And as a punishment, she has to relive that experience as the victim and then have her memory wiped and relive it again. Oh, yeah. Okay, number one, I don't think that's a great way to treat people. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> Justice must I mean, be I, served, Mark Radlitz. I don't believe in trivializing justice. And okay. I understand the story. But you're making, I believe, light of a terrible... Let's put it this way. If someone ever tortures and burns one of my children, I don't need them to live in a perpetual play where they are the victim. I'm good with them just going to prison forever. Or being murdered. Or, or, um, you know, being killed via the death penalty. I don't need vengeance. What you're doing is you're lo- by creating a situation where it's a game, basically, you're not dispensing justice. You're dispensing vengeance. This is just revenge. Well said. And that's not justice. Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, I tell my children all the time, you don't do what's right just because uh, you'll get a reward. You do what's right because it's the right thing to do, even if it doesn't work out for you. You should still do the right thing. That is what being that is what being decent is about. Is about. And I found that the the theme of this whole episode was indecency. It was this is a shit person, so we'll treat her shitty, and we'll all be shitty people. And live in a shitty world. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, uh, well, okay. Let me go ahead and uh, do my best to defend. Number one, well, I, I think it's pretty easy to see why I enjoyed it. Number one, they throw you right into uh, this. You're as confused as this character is on on screen. Trying to figure out what what the hell is going on. What is going? What zombie apocalypse did she wake up in? Where everybody is using these cameras to to film her as she's running for her life. And there's a few people out there that kind of like have their wits about them. And, you know, one of the guys, you watch one of the guys get shot. Uh, and apparently, you know, they, they kill him and she continues to run. So I'm invested. I'm like, Oh, I, what is going on here? So now when we get to the, the twist ending, when we find out that, you know, this is all a theme park, this is a justice theme park. I think it's called white bear justice theme park or something like that. And, and 
I, I thought the ending credits were just phenomenal where they had like what is, you know, a park ranger sort of running through all the motions for just people who are coming in to visit uh, and, and watch this happen. Now, when it comes to me going, uh, well, you know, is that justice? Um, I don't know, man. Justice and vengeance sometimes can be very hard to separate the two uh, because there have been plenty of times, you know, I'm in the midst of watching uh, the people versus OJ. And I know you've seen me post stuff about it online and, and we're, oh, we're making our way was, through. I was going to say, I, I, if I had known that this was, if I had known that we were going to be doing a TV review show in 2017, I would have waited to watch it. It's so good. And I really, <laughs> it is. and I remember, like, I, I don't feel like anyone else was watching it at the time that I was, but that was musty TV for me. Mm-hmm. We're, we're making our way through, but I wish I could tell you how many times, you know, my wife sat beside me and said, why didn't they just, somebody just kill him. You know, she was just so enraged by the fact of what happened and the fact she believes that he did it, that there, it felt like there were so many balls that were dropped in order to make this man serve some type of a penalty for what he did or what we believed he did. I'm going to just stop you there, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm going to ask you a question. Um, it's not a question you have to answer, but it's one that I ask my just wife Just ask me a time. question. Okay. Mm-hmm. All because right. It's more, of, it's, it's more of I want you to repeat the question to yourself when sure. you start to – when you or your wife or anybody else start to, start to think about the easy answers. And that mm-hmm. question is, what kind of world do you want to live in? Okay. I, I wouldn't. Uh, it's not like I'm sitting here saying there should be white bears and white bears and theme theme parks, justice parks in every state. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> but you're not, you're not going to the bank to start one. No, no, I'm afraid not. What a what a novel idea, but I am I am not. Um, they have. It, it was. When you see somebody that's done such a horrific act, you you want to you and immediately want them to suffer, and that's why I think uh, that's kind of why I was like, all right, this this is pretty neat. This is a neat concept. Uh, you know, instead of putting somebody to death for something like that, uh, why not? Uh, you know, if they if it's if it can be considered, I don't know if you can consider that humane in any way. To be honest. No, you can't. Did I lose you? Hey, I think we may have reached the portion of the show where Skype has decided to silence Jesse Starcher. Uh, Jesse, message me real quick. Let me know if you're going to dial out and call back in. Um, but, you know, you asked, you know, I... Okay, he has dropped, and I assume he will he will call back momentarily. Um, it's not humane, you know. Justice is as somebody who who works at least on the periphery of the criminal justice system. Uh, you know, ju- justice needs to be a very direct thing. You committed this crime. You deserve this punishment. This is a punishment agreed upon by most parties existing within a system. The minute you start getting emotional with it, 
the minute you start getting, you know, this is why fantasies like Batman and Arrow and, you know, and uh, the Punisher are exactly that. They're fantasies. Sure, it's great to fantasize about a guy dressed up in a costume, taking the law into his own hands and dispensing street justice. But imagine if we actually lived in that world. You couldn't depend. There's no way to depend on that kind of a system to create equity and fairness that allows, uh, that allows civility. You know, for me, it's, a, it's not about the short-term uh, creation of what's going to make me feel better. It's about what's best for society. And no society based in vengeance is going to do well. Hi, Jesse. Hey! <laughs> Thank you, Blog Talk. Uh, okay, yes, I, I, will, I will defer to your better judgment because, number one, you, sir, again, you, work for, you, work, you are working with the Justice Department. You know more about this than I do. Uh, us, us people who are sitting at our armchairs at home watching something like this uh, are not involved in it uh, as much as you know, people like you, Mark. So I understand completely where you're coming from and what you're saying is, is you're making a great point. Um, I was entertained by the episode and I, really? I, I, Why? I, I was, I liked it. Okay. But, but I mean, let's move away from the philosophical and talk about craft here because I can see, I could see where there are elements of the story that are entertaining. So I don't blame you for that. Okay. Where I'm having, where I'm struggling, and this is a craft issue, so I need you to more defend that end of it for me because I honestly oh, don't boy. see it. <laughs> what was interesting about that character? Somebody, I read the wiki on it, and one of the reviews was like, you know, after 40 minutes of her panting, I got kind of bored. <laughs> okay. And I was like, yeah. There's nothing about. First of all, she's not a character. She's just a collection of reactions, and then she's a victim. But you're, she's not, a, but you're supposed to not feel bad for her because she's an accomplice to a murderer. So it's like, I don't, I don't get where are you supposed to put yourself in her shoes? And like, yes. Ooh, that would be shitty that, that is where, that's where I think most of the entertainment value comes for me when I'm watching shows like this, uh, is putting myself in their shoes. Like you wake up, now I didn't know, you can't, are you going to tell me that you knew what the, ending to this was before it hit there's no way right no no not at all. okay all right so yeah she's confused like 90 percent well probably close to 99 percent of the whole episode then she figures it out and then again it's, it resets but yeah a lot of when i watch a show if i put myself in that person's shoes and i i would react just the way they are reacting that right there makes it true to me it makes it it makes it feel like okay i can i can see where this person's coming from i certainly wasn't going well what's her motivation well shit she just woke up from a damn you know she just woke up she has no idea where she's at and all these people are just doing nothing but recording her that would be one strange trippy day for for me i could see it you know i i could see my the way i would react is the same way she would so i was i was entertained it was the 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 parts where 
uh, of course, a lot of the twist. I mean, the twist at the end, I think, made up for if I had any criticisms for it, which I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But a good twist always makes me go, oh, hell yes. Okay. All right. That's awesome. I enjoyed the twist myself. So it had two things going for it, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, what do you think? Uh their main character is unsympathetic and has no character traits other than she's frightened. Your other characters are your stock typical zombie fare, and the whole they, thing is shit. Oh, come on. They are supposed to act like that. They're supposed to go out there with the phones and hold them okay. up. That is, that's what they're supposed to, supposed to, to like do. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> sprouts is supposed to taste like Brussels sprouts, but they still taste like shit. All right. All right, Mark Radulich. <laughs> Didn't like White Bear. I had high hopes for this episode. You have no idea. I was like, oh, man, he's going to love it. He's going to be asking for White Bear everywhere. Nope. Negative. <laughs> Negative. I feel like I've disappointed you. Uh, Mark, it's okay. I got you to watch Black Mirror Season 2. Wait till we hit Season 3, because I think there's going to be a lot more stuff you're going to get a little... It's not bad, but it gets a little... You could, I could see your criticism... Uh, potentially happening so yeah i i'm sorry jesse starcher i was not a fan of this episode i thought this was a giant waste of time you're allowed not to like things it's okay okay i won't i won't uh, i won't sentence you to a white bear for that <laughs> i wake up every day hating something all right this next episode uh this next episode is so good <laughs> Now, here's I, where me and you are going to differ again, then. Man, Waldo yeah. moment? All right, let's okay. hear it. Right, this might as well have been called the Trump episode. <laughs> this whole thing is about what if we create a character that deconstructs politicians, and then what if the person controlling that character has a crisis of conscience? Um, what do you do? That's the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. I thought the concept of deconstructing politicians was awesome and interesting. And I thought the I thought the the ideas that were being bandied about between the the fictional creation and the politicians were real ideas that people do talk about even now. And this is a huge part of the whole Trump thing. If you talk about like John Oliver and a lot of his shows about Trump in the last season of um, Last Week Tonight on HBO, yeah, he talked about the idea of Trump is a, is a media creation that was created to, uh, like, garner and um, uh, bring together these disaffected voices, these disenfranchised people, um, these uneducated ideas and point them directly at uh, the most likely politician to win the nomination and possibly the election, which was Hillary Clinton. And the whole concept of Trump was that he was, quote, unquote, the anti-politician in a, t- <coughs> in a time where people had a growing di- distrust of politicians. And it's not like it came out of the blue. When uh, we had the great financial crash of, I think it was 2007, 2008, 
what came out of that was the stimulus package, which then, now my father would disagree with some of this, but I'm trying to keep this short and not tremendously political. So for those of you with some detail <laughs> on the subject, get off my dick. Um, but the short, short version of this, lacking in detail, is you had the financial crash, you had the stimulus that President Obama did, and then you had the Tea Party reaction. And the Tea Party reaction was definitely one part, we're, we're burning money, we're, we're burning the budget, and one part, we don't trust politicians. Politicians are wrong. I'm sure there was an element of we also don't like the black guy, but whatever. That's a whole other subject. Um, and so even before that, though, when you think about the, the Bush-Gore and the Bush-Kerry elections, it's not like people were saying, left George Bush. He's the best man for the job. They said horseshit like, elect George Bush, he's a guy I'd want to have a beer with. <laughs> Which makes me want to throw myself in front of a fucking train <laughs> that anyone would think that way. But we, we do. Mm-hmm. John Kerry, who is, a, who is a smart guy you know, and, a, you know, and a talented fellow and would just as easily have been a good president, was not seen as a good person because he was too much like a politician. So you so and it and it, if you look at the history of American elections, it's not like this is all any of it's new. You know, Tipper Canoe and Tyler too. You know, ad campaigns of a of a president drinking cider from a barrel. From a <laughs> He's mm-hmm. trying to be the everyman. He's the kind of guy that I could drink a cider with. I mean, that's fucking like from the eighteen hundreds. Yep. <laughs> You know, I mean, why is it in this country we're attracted to Yosemite Sam as a fucking, you know, as, as a president when those make the worst ideas for leaders? But we do. So bringing this back to the Waldo movement, that was my big thing. It was like, okay, they're dealing with all of that in this microcosm of this little election. And I thought it was great. And I, you know, and I love the idea that this character became so much more important than the person. And at the very end, it was so poignant that the person playing him ends up being homeless, but this character becomes like a worldwide phenomenon. He becomes Mickey yeah. Mouse, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just thought it was brilliant. I do agree with one criticism that I read on the wiki about it, which was there wasn't enough time to deal with a lot of the nuance and a lot of the detail. But other than that, I, I thought this was the best of the of the three episodes. No, oh, wow! This is I've I've seen one, two, and three seasons of Black Mirror, and this I believe is the worst on my list <laughs> of the, all of them. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Just every every zombies, Mark like <laughs> That's zombies, right. Mark like politics. Gone. That's right. Uh, we're a real odd couple. Um. I see. I, I everything that you said there about the whole politics that is very prevalent. I understood what was going on there and the point they were trying to get across. What I did not like about the episode, it just felt really unbalanced because if they were going to go with the whole political thing, 
I would have liked to have seen that more at the forefront. What what you have here though is that they they uh, they focus more on is it uh, Jamie Salter? He's he's the guy that's behind Waldo. They focus more on, I mean his his depression. I think throughout the beginning of this episode, he's depressed. He's a comedian, yeah. and he's trying to get this thing off the ground and then they come to him and he's like, fuck, I don't want to do politics. Who the, what comedian wants to do politics for crying out loud. And they talk him into it and he's not, he's not happy about it whatsoever. And of course things start to turn. He finally, when he finally lets loose and does what, you know, every comedian should, and that's roast the shit out of what exactly the the insanity that's going on in, in politics right now. Um, he, you know, he starts to get into a groove, and then, of course, the higher-ups come down and say, well, hey, why don't you, why don't we take it over? And he's like, no, wait a second, this is my whole creative direction with this character. I, he, the, what I got from this was more about how Jamie's attachment to his creation got away from him. And they explored way too much of the emotional side of things for him and how he lost that creation to where, you know, at the end of the show, he's, he's sleeping on the streets, you know, Waldo's up on the billboards and this guy is suffering because he kind of walked away from it um, or was pushed away from it. See, I completely I, disagree I, with I, you. I don't like this that. The exact opposite. <coughs> yeah, I completely disagree with you. Okay. My, my, my criticisms of the character from White Bear, <clears throat> where there's a lack of character, an utter lack of character, she's just a collection of reactions. Um, with Jamie, you actually have a fleshed-out character. You have someone with doubt. You have someone who has a perception of himself as less than, and he's cornered, and he makes these angry, biting comments out of anger and frustration and his own sense of self-doubt. And I and I and you can't get to the place where he has a crisis of conscience and divorces himself from the entire thing without setting any of that up. It'll come out of nowhere unless you, unless you do it the way they did it. So you couldn't, to me, you couldn't have the episode without focusing on all of that interpersonal stuff that he goes through. And I love his, his, you know, you couldn't call it a relationship. I guess you could, but his sort of aborted relationship with uh, uh, Chloe Perry's character, you know, who says right at the top of the episode, I'm using this. I don't. I know I can't win, but I'm using this election to further my career in the Labor Party to go on and do something better. And later on, when they're like, when and she's told like, stay away from this guy. He's going to wreck your campaign. And like, and then he goes off on her about being a career politician and she's bullshit and everything else. And she's like, I would have come back for you. I after the election. I would have had no problem with this, but you didn't even give me a chance, and you just lashed out. There's a lot of subtext there about him as a person, about his weaknesses. See, the thing with these, with these episodes in Black Mary, yes, they're very technology-related, but if there's no characters there to tell the story and carry the tale, then all you have is the technology, and some of the technology is not that interesting. Yeah. So for so for me, like, if you don't, if you're not into the political themes, I get that. Sure. That's kind of a I like chocolate, you like vanilla thing. Yeah. Um, 
but to me, there's a superior craft at work here that wasn't present in the one before it. It's my, the, my opinion. The bigger story to me was the whole, you know, the, the whole uh, obscenity of politics and, and how he attacked that. His struggle <laughs> and where he ultimately ended up, it just fell completely flat for me. I was like, I don't care. I didn't care about okay. this guy. I, that, that was just me. I didn't care. Okay. Well, you're allowed not to care. There were not any zombies whatsoever in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no zombies, no Star Trek. That's um, right, damn it. Yeah. Worst, one, worst one of the whole three seasons. No zombies. No Brady, no Stewie Lightyear. All right. We will have to agree to disagree. I lo- I thought the Waldo moment was the high point of season two. Um, Very nice. Until we get to White Christmas. Which we'll talk about now. Yes. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with John Ham. All right. <laughs> this is a uh, three-part story. We have uh, John Ham in the first two stories. And then we have um, uh, part three, which is uh, Rafe's fall and his story. Um, I believe, yeah, Joe. Yes, okay. Joe Potter played by Rafe's fall. And they're both in, we're presented them as they're in this remote location and they're making Christmas dinner and they're telling stories, and Joe is reluctant to talk, so John Hamm kind of does all the talking. And he tells the first story about how he uh, gambled and lost it all by being somebody who, um, using similar technology to what we saw in the entire history of you, <coughs> he's doing, like, date, dating coaching. Yeah, like, like Hitch. It's, a, it's Will Smith and Hitch. Yeah. So basically, through the use of Google Glass, he's able to he's able to see and communicate with this nerd who goes to a work party, and he's helping him pick up broad. And lo and behold, the guy picks up uh, this one chick, and it's going well enough. As it turns <laughs> out, though, <laughs> as it turns out, uh, he starts having a bit of a crisis of conscience. And he's now arguing loudly with John Hamm. But to the chick's point of view, it looks like he's talking to internal stimuli. He's hearing voices in his head. Yeah. And, of course, she's psychotic, as we'll find out. So she decides that she's going to poison him and then herself in a, in a mutual suicide. On Christmas. Which reason, or at Christmas. least around Christmas, because this is a Christmas party that he went to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a Christmas uh, Christmas time suicide, double suicide, or at least so that's what it was supposed to, to look like. <laughs> she yeah. kind of murdered him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so the jig is up, and he tries to like throw out all of his stuff and hide everything, and his wife catches him. She freaks out, and then like blocks him from seeing her or the kid. Uh, now and... we gotta we gotta talk about the block. Because when yeah. we say blocking, 
uh, folks, this isn't just like, hey, you go get a restraining order. He's not going to be able to show up. You can use this little device and point it at a person, much like you can on social media, and block a person so that you will not see what they can – What you can see an outline of them. They just look like a static outline. Uh, that's it, they, But you can't hear them. You just know they're there. They can uh, – but you can't hear them, and, and nothing happens. They also – vice versa can't see you so that's an important part of this because it really made me think of like very easily can draw parallels to social media blocking where you completely erase somebody out of your life socially uh by hitting the block button on facebook okay and that person can't interact with you you can't interact with them and you guys go on about your lives uh, this was taking it to another level by blocking somebody you could pretty much just usually you'd get a, you know, if you had an argument with your spouse, you could use it then. Be like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to block you and I'm going to go to bed. And then the next morning you unblock them. Uh, so that would yeah. be a nightmare. <laughs> it would not be good, as we find out. Uh, look, but before I had all these health problems, <coughs> Melissa and I got into like a, a huge fight, which was stemmed by the fact that I was having health problems and we did not realize the severity of it. And so we were sort of fighting over, you know, I was, she was feeling neglected. I was being selfish. This was the night that I did the, uh, this was the night after I did the um, uh, alternative commentary for the Pena fight and um, Shevchenko fight and uh, on UFC on Fox a couple of Saturdays ago. And, it, and, you know, and, she, you know, she called me an asshole and she walked out of the room and I waited a few minutes and then I went in and I was like, let's not go to bed like this. Let's not have this end this way. Let's talk through this. I understand you're angry. I'm not happy with you either, but this isn't going to end well for either of us. And without forcing it, we forced a confrontation where we were able to work through things and eventually go back and finish watching the Royal Rumble. Uh, mm-hmm. this, was, this was on Sunday. And if she had been able to just block me, she would have. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't going to deal with your and ass tonight. Been no discussion. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's easy to do that. And in this show, in this, in this reality that Black Mirror is showing us here, it's, a lot of people use that to their advantage that, you know, they shouldn't, they, they shouldn't even give it a, a thought to do that. They need to work right. through, they need to work through their issues. So, um, but yeah, go ahead and continue. I interrupted from, you. It's fine. It was a lot of people running from their emotions in black mirror near as I can tell. Hey, that's what, that's what technology is for. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so we have like 25 minutes left. I'm going to really run through this. Go for it. So, um, so he loses his wife and daughter, and he ends up going into the cold, uh, the cold blue yonder, to get away from all of his memories. Um, but the next thing he tells him is that actually wasn't my job. My job was creating virtual assistants using your consciousness. This is what we were talking about before. This is the dream, ladies and gentlemen, turned nightmare for me. <laughs> because as my lungs fail, as I continue to cough into this microphone, 
Good. My statistics not sophisticated enough for me to quick hit a mute button um, while I cough. <clears throat> I have to, like, turn away from the mic if possible. Uh, I, I dream of a world where I can upload my consciousness into a mechanical body of sorts, a synthetic body, a body that will not get cancer or sarcoidosis <coughs> or some sort of lung disease, a body that will not gain weight, a body that will live ad infinitum. This is what I want. However, as this episode has teaches me, what if someone were to take exactly that, my consciousness, my virtual self, and put it in a machine that they can manipulate at with. And that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I want to rethink this whole thing. When he's like a, and I don't know what you'd call it, he's kind of like a, a transitional uh, assistant. I can't remember what the what the uh, title was it was for, but John Hamm's character is like this person who, uh, we're treated to that second part of the episode where they take a, per, a person, lay, you know, she goes under, they take out her consciousness and put it into, or a, what they call a cookie. So it's kind of like a representation I don't know if it's a part of the brain or what exactly, or yeah. they just hook something I'll, up. I'll just read this. I'll just read this straight up. Matt okay. creates a virtual body for Greta's digital copy and puts her in a simulated white room containing nothing but a control panel. Oh, Matt's, job is to, <laughs> Matt's job is to break the willpower of digital copies through torture. <laughs> <clears throat> so they will submit to a life of servitude to their real counterparts. He alters the Greta cookie perception of time so it feels like three weeks past is a matter of seconds. She's traumatized by her solitude in the room with nothing to do. Still, she refuses to work, so Matt repeats the process and increases the perceived time to six months. Six months. Six oh, months. So, so imagine, imagine – yes, please. Imagine you take Jesse Starker's virtual consciousness and – or consciousness, rather and create a copy of it. <clears throat> then you create a virtual body for that consciousness. And now, by and large, it's Jesse. We have Jesse A, and we have Jesse B, okay? They are identical. They, are, they have all the love and the hate and the emotions and the memories uh, of each other. There's no real difference, except one is the genuine article and the other is the copy. Now, imagine that copy is put in a situation where instead of having the life that you have around you, you are in a room and you are made to work this control panel for your prime self. That's what he does, okay? He creates your he – create, he takes a copy of your consciousness and makes it your servant. And that's all you do. But you are still you in that sense. So if you, if you follow my meaning, whatever life you are living ceases to exist and you become this slave to you. Yeah. And he gets compliance through isolation. Mm-hmm. And that isolation is called torture. That is horrifying. <laughs> When, I, I'm telling you right now, John Hamm, if we're going to talk craft, okay, 
again, another this is the probably the brightest spot in all three seasons, in my opinion, is John Hamm's acting and how cavalier he is. If you go to if you guys can find my Facebook page, I I took a video of it from my TV just so I could put it on Facebook. How cavalier he is as he sits there, dials it up to six months as that girl's consciousness copy sits there in that room and he sits there and takes one bite of toast and the days are just spinning by on that, on that screen until finally boop, he hits it. And there she is. She's a frazzled mess. I mean, imagine dude, just saying, staying in one complete white room with a table and you have nothing to do for six months. You don't get hungry. You know, there's no, there's no reason for you to eat, but you have absolutely nothing to do. And he even makes a statement, you know, he had to find that sweet spot where, okay, we can't completely break this person to where they go insane because this is a, a consciousness, uh, supposedly. So you got to take them to that right, right to the brink to where they're like, oh, I'll fucking do anything you, you say. <laughs> Please, just give me something to do. And that was his job. That was his job was basically to break people uh, and, and, but he, he was also a people person. Uh, that's the other part from part one, that introduction where he's coaching those people along to, to find, you know, a date or something like that. So he's, he's showing you in these first two parts of this episode, uh, his backstory, number one, and where he's coming from. Now that's important as we go into part three, where he's, we go back to the interaction with, between him and Joe. Yeah. So our last story, in a nutshell, is you have Joe. He's with Beth. Beth turns out to be pregnant, but Beth reveals that she doesn't want the baby. Um, they get into a fight. He, he uh, calls her terrible things and says terrible things to her. Uh, and then she blocks him and takes off and never forgives him. Um, she ends up not aborting the baby, ends up having the child, and he ends up basically like stalking this family for years. Uh, I think she eventually dies, and then he yeah. finally, uh, and then and then and so the block, um, which blocked him from seeing the child as well, the block disappears, so he's able to finally see his daughter. Turns out his daughter's a Chinese Chinaman, and uh, that's when he. <laughs> that's when he we have no class. <laughs> <laughs> no class here on the Rattlers Broadcasting Network. <laughs> so. so uh, Turns out it's not his daughter. Yeah, man, that was. He, I remember when when uh, she turned around and I was like, "Oh shit!" Because we we're introduced to her friends, you know, throughout that episode, and right. one of them is an Asian man who clearly she slept with, and that was the whole reason she wanted the baby aborted, but did not go right. through with it. So, again, um, not dealing with your problems. <laughs> she so, blocked them and never told them. Yeah. So uh, he like freaks out. He tries to talk to the father, to the grandfather. The grandfather's like, "I burned all your letters." So he fucking clocks him with a snow globe, kills him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he goes on the run until he's caught by the police. And in our final act here, what weaves it all together is that they made a they made a cookie, you know, like they did for Greta in the in the first story, uh, second story rather, they made a cookie of him and his virtual world instead of a, you know, a white room with a desk, his virtual room is this isolated 
lab in the snow that they've been having Christmas dinner in <laughs> for the whole episode. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Long story short, he basically admits to killing the dad, the the grandfather. Uh, all the details of this sordid affair come out. Yeah, the kid, and the, kid, the kid ends up walking out into the snow after, like, dropping a Christmas present off right there to her dead grandfather and then dies, like, ten feet away from the house. Yeah, so ba- basically... He's up for double murder. Yeah. Um, and what do you think, too? What we find out that uh, the whole purpose of making the cookie was because he wasn't saying anything in real life. It was right. This was the way they were able to garner his confession without even having to talk to him face-to-face. <laughs> right. <laughs> One, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Yeah, it's also illegal. Um, you, you can't... Uh, you, you, I, right now, that's not legal. Um, the way they did that because it's it not the be real person. <coughs> you can't manipulate a confession out of somebody. A confession must be given. Oh, down oh you're, you're talking about the method. Okay, I got you. Yeah, maybe maybe in years to come, if that becomes a reality, they can look back on it and go, "Well, is it really manipulation? Who the fuck knows?" But now, um, are you saying that's 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 law here? Now, remember, this is taking place over yeah. in good old jolly England. You know, it might be different over there. I don't know. I'm not a legal scholar. Uh, British, you make women holler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So long story short, so as penance for his original sin uh, of getting the one kid killed, John Hamm concocts this whole elaborate scheme to get this guy to confess, which he does. So they're like, okay, well, then we're not going to hold you up for the murder of this kid, but you're still a sex offender, so you're not going to be allowed to interact with humanity. And basically, the world sees him red. He sees basically it's a dual block, so where he can't have any interaction with any human being, but at least he can walk free. And then the other guy is going away to prison for life. And that's how the episode ends. Who's got the worst end of that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Fucking Joe is trapped. Is trapped in his cookie, listening to the. You know, I wish. What's the damn song? I wish it was Christmas every day. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it is every minute. Yeah, then he like breaks the. Ra- That's when he realizes that he's in a virtual world. Oh. He, like breaks the radio. Yeah, I wish it be Christmas every day. He breaks the radio and it just gets louder every time he breaks it. Um, I really liked this episode. <laughs> Um, I saw him dying again. I promise you, I'm not though. <laughs> Please don't. A lot, of, a lot of fox built with a lot of saliva. Um, gross. Anywho, I like this episode a lot. Uh, I don't have really, really any problems with it. I mean, as we've been talking, we've been talking about some, like, some of the issues with the episodes. I think in general, but overall, you know, I think Black Mirror works the best one when it deals with relationships, and two, when the technology itself is, is just a nightmare. And when, and when you do both effectively and you tell poignant stories of this, I mean, the whole point of Black Mirror is technology run amok. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's toothless if you don't have people you care about telling you the stories. And in this particular case, um, you, you feel somewhat bad for John Hamm 
but you can see where people would judge him harshly uh, for what he was doing. He doesn't deserve to have that, you know, I I don't know. I I don't think he deserved to be red blocked or whatever they call it. Uh, Certainly for what he did. I mean, but uh, again, yeah, I think the point, well, I think the point they were telling, I mean, they were saying he was like a peeping Tom. And I think the point of it was don't use this technology to invade other people's privacy. Ah, uh, okay. And so by doing that, they made sure that shit ain't going to happen again. Um, yeah, exactly. I see that. Okay. Now, so, let me let me just real quick, I just want to go ahead and put this out there. John Hamm is on my radar because I, I, I absolutely love the way he acted in this. And the other guy wasn't so bad either. The guy who played Joe, uh, I don't know who that was. I don't think he's some spectacular uh breakout actor or anything but i'll tell you right now when he started crying and when he i mean i felt i felt man i was like damn um as for i think this might be one of the out of all three series white christmas may be up there top three maybe number one okay he um the last thing that was of any big deal that this guy was in mr uh race spall he's done Uh a few things uh he was in the BFG. He was Mr. Tibbs. He was in the big short for which he was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award. Uh, he was in the F Word, uh, The World's End. Shaun of the Life Dead, Hot Fuzz. Yep. Prometheus. He was in uh, Grindhouse. Uh, you mentioned already Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, and he's wow. been in a bunch of television shows. He's in Sons of Liberty. Um. So yeah, I mean, he's known. Something Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right, man. Well, do you have anything else you'd, uh, you you want to say about this final episode before we move on to closing thoughts on season two? Yeah. Um. I thought this was a great. I thought this was a great way to sort of. Um sum up the, the season. You know, like when we we did the first season, it was like, it was just these three disparate episodes, disconnected episodes. It was fine, but, you know, there wasn't anything really tying it together. I thought doing the Christmas episode as sort of a, like a special season finale in a sort, you know, in, in a way, ties a lot of the overarching themes of Black Mirror together because there's obviously an agenda with the show. Um, and I thought... White Christmas was the best element of Black Mirror, and it dealt away with some of the more annoying parts of it. You know, the, the kinds of things we discussed in our likes and dislikes of White Bear and the Waldo moment. So, mm-hmm. the only thing that it was missing was Haley Atwell. <laughs> hubba hubba. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Final thoughts. Go. Ah, oh, man. Season two. I enjoyed it. I mean, aside from the fact of having the, you know, the least liked episode uh, of the whole series in there, uh, I really, I really enjoyed white bear be right back. You know, it, it made you think and white Christmas was a a tremendous, a a tremendous part. Uh, I think one of the best episodes we'll see uh, even as we go into season three. So um, I, I appreciate you sitting down and again, did you have to turn subtitles on? No. Okay. So I was sick, though, <laughs> You're a better I man than I. 
I was, they, they was definitely like in the bed, just like, I can't move. I'm going to watch Black Mirror. Now, just looking at the calendar, it's going to be a while before we're able to finish this up. Um, next week, we've got Chef's Table, which I have confirmed my guest, Mark Roth, which I believe is the brother of someone I went to high school with who uh, worked in the cooking industry. We'll be on to discuss Chef's Table season, season one. Actually, I think season three just dropped. Um, and then Pat's going to be on on the 28th to talk uh, first season of Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Um, and then we're into the movie season. We're into March. And we'll have Logan, Uh-oh. Kong, Skull Island, Beauty and the Beast, Power Rangers. Um, uh, I will not be around on the 4th of April because I will be at SmackDown. But Robert Winfrey is going to get some of the guys together and they're going to talk WrestleMania weekend. And then there's The Crown, The Fate of the Furious, Roman Empire, The Powerpuff Girls, Season 1, <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy, King Arthur, Alien Covenant, Pirates of the Caribbean, Wonder Woman, The Mummy, Cars 3, Transformers, Despicable Me, Spider-Man, uh, Planet of the Apes, and then I'm on vacation. So I actually think, now that I'm looking at this, you and I need to record between now and July 25th. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to put this on the calendar. We need to pre-record Black, Black Mirror Season 3, put it in the can, and we'll play it on the weekend, on the, on the week I'm going to be gone, which is okay. July 25th. Okay. That sounds like a plan. We'll, we'll get that scheduled there. Season three having uh, six episodes, and you'll see uh, similar to what we just saw in season two, where the final episode of season three is an hour and a half long. So it's almost a movie in itself. Uh, so be prepared when you when you jump okay. into those. That that final one is is a little bit longer than the rest, but it's all oh, dude. The concept it it'll be fun to talk about. All right, it's on the calendar now. It's a TV party tonight, July 25th, Black Mirror Season 3 pre-recorded. So we'll get that done, me and you, sometime between now and July, and then, you know, we'll, we'll throw it up on the network, uh, you know, in its uh, non-raw form, July 25th. Sure. Sounds good. All right, that's how we're going to do that. Uh, in the meantime, like I said, tomorrow night, uh, if uh, tomorrow night on the network, We've got the Metal Hammer of Doom after a week break. The last time we did a show was February 1st. We did Creator, Gods of Violence. Um, Tremendous album. We're continuing with Thrash here. The next big four of Thrash, Overkill, The Grinding Wheel. Very good album. Very excited to talk about it. Uh, This Thursday is on trial, Resident Evil. I'll be the original. I'll be defending it. And then uh, this coming Monday, the 20th, now it's already in the can, on YouTube, but uh, Jesse will put up a, uh, a finished version of our discussion of Batman 66 on source material. And then, as I said, uh, next week, a week from tonight, our TV party will be Chef's Table Season 1. Um, we will, on the Metal Hammer of Doom, the following Wednesday, the 22nd, we will look at If He Dies, Beneath the Waves, which is my buddy's band. And then our second February episode of On Trial of course, the celebration of Black History Month, Catwoman. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I'm.
And we lost Jesse again. Jesse, quick dial back in. You can do your plugs, bud. Um, that's really it, though. That's all I've got for now. Uh, I'm hopefully not going to miss any more shows. Uh, as I said, while well, I'm waiting for him to come back, uh, as I said, the 28th is Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. It's going to do season one for now. And then Steel Panther, Lower the Bar. And then um, because Robert Winfrey made me, we're going to do Ink. We were supposed to do your barbarian from some such thing, but that's getting that got missed because I'm sick <laughs> and I missed the show. So we uh, that's just put off indefinitely. But I didn't want to move around. I didn't want to move the calendar around too much. So I had scheduled Robert to come on and we'll talk about ink. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do that now. Friday, March third. There's a whole uh, discussion that's going to take place when those comic folk talking about Wolverine, and it will, we'll get into announcing uh, Wolverine Week on that very same show, and that'll that'll be Friday, March third, is when that will air on the network. All right, Jesse, go ahead. My my plug and stuff now. Um, yes, yeah, no, we're at that. We are at we are at that point in the show. The only thing I have uh, to say, Mark already mentioned our Batman '66 that's coming up, Volume One. So keep an eye out for that next Monday. Uh, make sure to go give the Rattlich and Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. A lot of great stuff there in the can. Uh, and uh, that's all I have, man. I appreciate you talking Black Mirror Season 2. Can't wait to talk Season 3 with you. Oh, real quick, we have a new show on the network. It'll come up when there's space in the schedule. Uh, we are in partnership with Stuart Lang and his SBG News, which was brought to me from uh, Sean Comer, who's been working with them. And they started a gaming podcast that's going to be syndicated here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. It's called, I believe it's called Press Play. So that's, that, is that the name of it? Yes, sir. All right. So uh, the first episode's up. It's about 25 minutes long. Give it a listen. Gaming podcast. We've never done any gaming here before. We've touched on it with Ghostbusters and Assassin's Creed. But we've never really committed to doing gaming podcasts because I'm not a big gamer. You know, like I think the last the last two games I played were Angry Birds and Rock Band on uh, Guitar Hero on the Apple TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> not a gamer. Um, <laughs> so it was just not a lot of something I put a lot of energy into. But I was approached about you know doing some uh, cross promoting with Stuart, and I said, okay, if we're going to do that, then I need some content from you that I don't have on the network. So he did a gaming podcast and. We'll get those up as he, as he produces them. So give it a listen. Stuart's a good guy. Um, he's been he, he's dabbled in Blog Talk Radio before. Him and the other two uh, United Kingdom fellas used to do a wrestling podcast. Um, I, I just think he had some technical issues back then. I think he was, like, doing it off of his iPad, you know, and a tin cup and a string. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how good the sound is. I haven't listened to it yet, but you should. So definitely give them a, you know, and, and Sean's a great guy. You know, we've been working together for a long time, and this is something that he's very passionate about. So go ahead and check out FPG News. Check out the Press Play Podcast. And I think that's it for now. Uh, Jesse, thank you for uh, listening to me prattle on endlessly about television reviews and crafts and whatnot. I certainly appreciate <laughs> you. Absolutely, and, uh, man. Anytime. And with that said, be well, be safe, and behave.